This episode's been brought to you by the Texas Taekwondo Alumni Association Endowment Fund. For more information, please contact Texas Taekwondo Alumni at gmail.com. Greetings, Horns. This is Coach Mike, and welcome to Season 2 of Texas Taekwondo in the Coach's Corner. In today's episode, I sit down with recent graduates Amanda Martin, Danielle Drews, and Molly Schlamp and discuss how the role of club president has grown through the decades and what their plans are post-college. You know, I've trained with all of y'all for the past couple of years, and I don't think I've ever taken the time to sit down and hear your stories of when and where you actually started in Taekwondo. We'll start with Amanda. All right. So I had never done any sort of martial arts before. I didn't even consider myself really athletic in any capacity. I had done one season of wrestling my senior year of high school, and I was like, wait a second, this is awesome. And then I graduated, and I thought, oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> oops. So I definitely knew that I wanted to do something when I got to college. I just didn't know what. And then my girlfriend at the time has done Taekwondo probably since a baby. And so I was like, I, I saw one of the, um, the email broadcasts that says, oh, these are all the events that are coming up. And I was like, no way, there's a Taekwondo club. Uh, that would be crazy if I went. And she was like, no, you should do that. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> that sounds scary. <laughs> and, and then I show up. And then I walk down the hallway of the Recreational Sports Center for the first time, doubting myself. And then I turn around and then I turn around again. And then I turn around and I turn back around again. And then I see a good clump of people at the doors. And I see um, one of my first friends at college, Anna. Anna! Is wonderful. And so I just started awkwardly striking up conversation with her and then Keem comes over and is like are you here for the open house and I was like oh, yes <laughs> come in here and so it just it was <laughs> history from then on <laughs> I never left wow wow that's a really cool story um I I would never have guessed that you didn't have a background in Taekwondo Amanda um I remember your first tournaments the first time you sparred at a tournament. MIT. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. we were yeah. teammates. We were teammates. <laughs> <laughs> and what I remember most about your match um, was after the match. Uh, I remember you came off the mat and you were just extremely excited. <laughs> was, you were so excited. And you had your mouth, you had your mouth guard still inside your mouth, and you're like, "Oh my god, I had so much fun!" I was laughing or smiling. I was like, "What? What did you say?" And you you pulled your mouth guard out. And you're like, "This is so much fun! I'm having so much fun right now!" And um, just that burst of emotion. I was like, "Wow, uh, that that's really good to see someone really, really enjoying this. Uh, it's rare, but it was very heartwarming to see. <laughs> I actually 
was crying during that match. And it, I felt like oh, people are going to think that I'm, like, hurt or weak or something. But I'm legit just having so much fun. And this is such a beautiful moment that I'm crying right now. <laughs> and then she kept hitting me in the face. And I was like, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so I think bursting off the mat, being like, that was so much fun, was also a bit of me trying to be like, don't worry about me. I'm crying. It's <laughs> uh wow that's um i mean what was i'm curious what was so fun about it well i hadn't so i'd been in the club for two over two years at that point and i had never really actually fought anyone and it was just like man apply everything that you've been doing this whole time without you know thinking about it and and landing shots and missing shots and then having to rethink and I've always been very in my head and very strategic more than I actually uh am very offensive and so just enjoying the like the game of it all I guess (laughs) (laughs) that um gosh that's that's the beauty in it wow that's the beauty in it I used to have so much fun wrestling, and I sucked. I absolutely sucked. I would lose every time. I would get pinned really quickly, and I would just be so mad that I lost so soon that I couldn't play for as long as I wanted. <laughs> I didn't know that uh, that you wrestled. Did you? Uh, did you and Coach Joe ever exchange wrestling stories? I think briefly. I it was I was like when, actually when I found out that he was a wrestler that was another part of like man this is a good club because you know they all have different they're coming from different experiences and like other people yeah. would join too like um Walter and I and he's wearing a a wrestling shirt and open house I'm like yes <laughs> here we are so <laughs> just another way to connect I guess That's cool um Danielle, I'd like to hear your story. Well, funnily enough, my Taekwondo story starts with Amanda um, because I had never done martial arts before either. um, But I was, I guess, fairly active in high school and stuff. Like, I started playing basketball, I think, in first grade. um, And I, like, played volleyball some and soccer and, like, ran track and cross country, um, but I had never done a martial art. And I remember um, Amanda and I were friends our freshman year because we had met at orientation, um, but this was like before we were roommates. Um, And so just hearing her talk about Taekwondo and I think like showing me a roundhouse kick at Dobie in the outside area. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) that's really cool. But like, I don't think I'd ever be able to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so then our sophomore year, she was like, just just come to an open mat. Like, it'll be super chill. Like, everyone there is really cool. And I was like, okay. Like, I guess I'll do it. And then just walking in and everyone being so kind and welcoming and then meeting Molly and Molly just being like, okay, today we're going to learn what a front snap kick is. Yee. 
just, um, going through that. And so I think I went to another open mat too before like open houses has even started. And then there was one where we just played ultimate Frisbee for like half an hour. And then just like watching like Adon and Hector just totally dominating. <laughs> and also just interacting with them like on the sidelines and how like sweet and caring both of them are. Just being like, wow, like there are a bunch of cool people here. Like maybe I'll stick around. And uh, here you are capping off, you know, your last year and, you know, you were the, the most recent president of the club, which is really amazing to see and hear. Yeah. If you would have told me the first day that I walked into the mat room, like, oh, yeah, in like three years, you're going to be like president and helping run this giant organization. I would have like nervously and awkwardly laughed <laughs> and walked out and never came back. <laughs> And and do you know what's funny? I can I can picture and hear and see that awkward laugh as you turn around and walk away yeah. right now. I can picture it right now. Um, and in fact, <laughs> you're gonna hate me for this, but that's I think that's one of my first memories <laughs> of you, Danielle. <laughs> me too. I I think I formally met you in D.C. For collegiates. Yeah. yeah. I, I might have seen you in the mat room leading up to that, but I wasn't present very often. But I do remember you at DC for collegiates. And um, I remember trying to strike, strike up a conversation with you a few times. And you pretty much did what you just described. You like, eh, hi. And you like awkwardly turn around and walk away. <laughs> And, you know, I, I'm left thinking, gosh, is there is it something I said or I don't know. And it, the funny thing, it was like that for a while. I think all the way up until we even had the tower lighting ceremony, I, I, I would I would still try to talk to you then. And you're like, OK, OK, bye. And you'd walk off. Uh, but uh, I, I have to admit, it's been a really neat and awesome journey to see where you've come from to where you are now and to see that you're still kicking and that your love for the sport for the art of taekwondo is i mean grown immensely and um it's very impressive yeah it's it's been a fun journey for sure i was looking through all of my photos and like looking at some from that first collegiates um in dc that i went to and starting to watch I guess some film that I had from one of my matches oh. and just <laughs> oh, cringing man. through it and just be like, ah, little baby yellow belt Danielle. <laughs> I loved yellow belt Danielle. <laughs> she was just the most precious yeah. thing. She was a hot mess. <laughs> she had. <laughs> uh... Um, let's get to Molly now. Um, Molly, I know you've had quite the background in Taekwondo, um, but I'd still like to hear your story, you know, where you started and then how you got started with yeah. Texas Taekwondo. Um, so I think I've been doing Taekwondo, gosh, like 12 years now or something. I started when I was in fifth grade and I guess I just graduated the 
the 16th grade, right? Um, <laughs> and I'm about to go do four more grades. I don't know. Um, so I, I'm the, I have two sisters. I have two younger sisters. I'm the oldest. And, um, I think in certain ways I was like the, the stand in for the potential son my parents could have had. And so my dad really wanted us to do like a father daughter, um, like athletic activity together. And I think he was also all about like making sure that his girls were like really strong and able to like fend for themselves. And so we had been thinking about different martial arts and we lived in North Carolina at the time. And it just kind of happened that there was a Taekwondo school near us. Um, and we did a bunch of Taekwondo. We did some Kundo for a little while, like Korean sword fighting and just like, we, I think we tried a Hapkido class once or twice, um, but we were doing Taekwondo consistently and it was a lot of fun, but we didn't really do any sparring. It was definitely, like I definitely learned a lot and like for my age, I think I was like doing pretty well, but it was mostly like a learn the Taekwondo curriculum and do your belt test kind of thing. And we didn't do a lot of sparring. And then we moved to Texas right before I started seventh grade and there was another Taekwondo school kind of near where we were living. And so we just kind of jumped into that one. And that school was much more focused on sparring. And right away that summer, I already like started. Uh, I think we moved here in like sometime early summer. And I think I was a blue belt at the time and by the end of that summer, I think I had already started training so much that I was going to nationals and just like couldn't get enough of competition and sparring. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Actually, that year that I went to the nationals that I was a blue belt, I won a silver medal and it was the best year I ever had at nationals <laughs> in my whole life. Um, I lost my gold medal match by one one golden point. It was it was disappointing, but it was a lot of fun. Um, so all throughout middle and high school, then I was doing a lot of competition. I was going to nationals every year. I went to U.S. Open, I think, twice. Texas State, all kinds of, of that stuff. Um, my freshman year of high school, I got my first black belt and then junior year tested for a second degree. So by the time I was like coming to college, I think I, once I knew I was going to UT, I just was Googling like UT Taekwondo. And the minute that I knew that there was, um, was a club, was a team, it was just a given that I was gonna, that I was gonna do it. And so we had, you know, our little utexastaekwondo.com because we couldn't get texastaekwondo.com <laughs> and it said practices are seven to nine on Tuesdays and Thursdays so I think probably the first week of that classes actually started I just like made my way on this long walk from Carruthers dormitory to the wreck and it was a really long <laughs> walk I hate walking I had to immediately I had oh, to get yeah. a bike um and just showed up and was like, hi, I'm here for Taekwondo. And I was like in full uniform with my black belt on, carrying all my sparring gear in a laundry bag, like ready to go. 
And everyone was like, oh, hi. Uh, we're not really holding classes yet, but um, why don't you come in and hang out with us and we'll just kick a little bit. And <laughs> I remember meeting Daniel, long-haired Daniel at the time, <laughs> and like Katie and Keem, um, Alex Bosco at the time was there. Um, and everybody was just really fun. And then I just never stopped going. <laughs> um, it's really interesting for you to describe your your first impression of Texas Taekwondo, how you, you showed up wearing full uniform and all that, and you walked into a room of, like, everybody – I'm guessing nobody, not wearing uniforms. Nobody like was regular in workout uniform. Clothes. Every, there were people in shorts, which like blew my <laughs> absolute mind. Uh. Um, every time anyone said anything, I think Daniel or Bosco was leading class or maybe a combination of the both of them. And anytime they said anything, I was like, yes, sir. And Bosco actually took me to the side <laughs> after practice and looked at me. He was like, please don't call me, sir. Please don't, don't do that. I don't want that. I don't deserve that. We're not doing that right now. And I was like, oh, Oh, okay, sir. Uh, like it was just, <laughs> yes, it was sir. Just I won't call you sir anymore. Also, not many people kiopt to the degree that I did, and so it was also a little vulnerable. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. Molly. Was this the same like iconic Molly kiop? And that's how it's been forever. <laughs> I have to say. So, in my first days of. I don't know if I like this. This is really scary to convince myself to go each class. Um, and then I would come back excited to report. I told basically everyone I knew about this girl in class oh, yeah. who screams for a key up and she sounds crazy. <laughs> I can't believe it. Why would I ever yell like that? It's me. <laughs> but now I think I think your key up, Amanda, has, has grown into something. It's kind of similar. Molly. You are my key up Yoda. Wow. You describe a scene that's so common and normal for what is Texas Taekwondo today. Um, but, you know, for when I joined Texas Taekwondo, we came in with our uniforms. Yeah. You had to wear your belts. We did say sir or ma'am. We would officially bow in and bow out of class. It was very, oh, very traditional. The music. Oh, and also, everyone. Oh, music. Oh, my we God. Definitely they started have. playing like <laughs> pop or rock or something over the stereo. And I was like, what is going on? What new land have I entered? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How is this Taekwondo? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that, that's, that's a very interesting. Um, story to I wish I would have had that experience I would have and you know would have seen what it was like for that um but I remember meeting you for the first time it was at a banquet and it must have been I'm guessing your freshman year or maybe your sophomore year is yeah, it was right before you became president okay so was that was your year. sophomore year freshman year okay and I remember at the banquet they announced that you were going to be mm -hmm. the president for the upcoming year. And I, I wanted to introduce myself and, you know, just to let you know that I, you know, I, I have, I've been with Texas Taekwondo for a while. And if you ever have any questions or advice, I'd be more than happy to, you know, help you out. And you kind of had the same expression that Danielle had. <laughs> you, you had the, <laughs> You had this like lost look on your face, like, 
I can't believe <laughs> like what did I just get myself into? I'm going to be president <laughs> of Texas Taekwondo. I, I have no idea. I think Joe actually like, uh, like warned me that you were going to talk to me and said something to the effect of like, you know, he's like part of Texas Taekwondo history. Like he's been around forever. Like you want to make friends with this guy. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Who? What's happening? Excuse me? Like, I have a, you're, you're putting me in this job already. Excuse me. Summer hasn't even started. Uh, so I think I may have just been a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, it, it, again, I, I, the, the, the journey of our friendship, I think has been really fun to watch and, and to experience as well. Um, you know, from that one moment where I was like, why is this girl so scared? Uh, did I say something? I don't know. And then up until this past year, you were one of the first few people that I sparred with. And it was like the first time I had sparred in almost 15 years. Oh, I think I remember that a little bit. Yeah. It, it was at the beginning of this year. And yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to spar. And uh, we had like a small little class it was like really small just like the coaches and a few few students who were in town i remember and um yeah what i remember was you didn't back down at all and i think i i experienced <laughs> the molly key op <laughs> being thrown at me and then you truly realized how <laughs> terrifying <you're doing. laughs> so innocuous from afar yeah i think i was really excited yeah. though too because <laughs> Texas Taekwondo, the way that they teach sparring is so new and so innovative. And there was a lot that was different from what I had learned in my like older, more traditional schools. And so I think I was just really excited to like spar with you and, and, and sort of feel a little bit back in that element of like a little bit more old school Taekwondo because I had like, I was like, wow, two worlds that I've been a part of are colliding right now. And I'm going to, you know, trying to use the best of both of them. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I was sore for like a good week or two after You're that. Welcome. So thank you. <laughs> Texas Taekwondo hosted collegiates last year in 2019. And before that, the last time collegiates was at UT was in 2001 when I was a sophomore. Wow. And the three of you um, competed as well as I know were heavily involved with preparing, hosting, like just preparing everything for it. <laughs> and I got to see a lot of the things that you were involved with. And I was thinking to myself, geez, I wish I had this crew. <laughs> <back in 2000." laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the big patterns in Texas Taekwondo hosting or um, attending something, arranging travel, anything, is that we're always like, okay, how are we going to make this better for next time? And then next time comes around and we're like, there's different mistakes now. How do we, where did this come from? And so it's, it's funny to hear you say that you would wish that you had um, the crew that we did had because I think it's easy for me to be like, um, Man, that was bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely, 
definitely crazy and just I guess from my perspective just as an officer and not like as president in charge of everything um yeah there were definitely some times that felt like we didn't really know what we were doing there was one call with the NCTA in particular where like they were asking I guess Amanda Nihar questions and we were like well we literally had no answer they were asking (laughs) us a bunch of stuff and me and Nihar are here saying um I didn't even know we were like supposed (laughs) to think about that uh we can get on that but I have no answer for you and trying to say that as tactfully as possible (laughs) in the moment while like silently freaking out well and also like it might have been um that like it was in the brief moment where Daniel hadn't gotten on the call yet, too. Yeah. So oh, felt okay. Completely alone and just like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I think something that is probably a much bigger difference between um, hosting the first time versus hosting this last time was the level of involvement from like the entire club and all of the alumni and just the volunteer network that we had for that. And everyone was helping out, like, especially on the second day um, for all of the black belt matches where we had so many people like running Dato and like helping record matches on iPads and stuff. And then there was Abby like <laughs> running around with the cart and like Sweet boy. In of everything. giving official yeah. candy. <laughs> I mean, we had people's parents coming in to volunteer. Christian's mom yeah. was like flawlessly running the concession stand. I think we had a lot of people too who were helping out from like other other Taekwondo schools in Texas. A lot of DFW crew was in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was super. I guess just, I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is like heartwarming or just like, it was great to see everyone kind of like band together for this. Yeah, I I definitely would uh, concur with that assessment. Um, It it was really neat to see like the whole village come out for this, right? Everyone, the whole village came out for Texas Taekwondo. Um, You know, back in 2001, when we hosted it, it, a lot of the challenges stemmed from the fact that it was very um, splintered. It was very fractured at the time. So what had happened was, so this has never, this has never been officially um, pointed out, but it's my suspicion. I think that in 2001, Collegiate was accidentally hosted at the <laughs> University of Texas. <laughs> and I think the NCTA um, intended it for it to be at Texas A&M. Oh. Yeah. And part of the reason is at the time, Texas A&M had a national team coach. Mm. And like the, the year prior to that or two years prior to that, that coach had won like NCTA coach of the year. And Texas A&M had won like a lot of um, championships leading up to 2001. And for some reason, um, in 2001, like before 2001 Collegiates, they announced that it was going to be at UT Austin. Like everyone was dumbfounded. We were only a small student organization, Rec Sports Club at the time. We were maybe 50 people, if not maybe less. 
and we didn't have a coach. We didn't have a master. And so it was just a really small student organization. And at the time, there was also a, um, a physical education, uh, a PE professor at UT who taught the Taekwondo class. His name was Master Yoon. Yeah. And uh, he had his own club. So he was the one, he was the, the master that was, like his name was put on as hosting collegiates that year. And oh, wow. he, he did not want to work with us very much. And we also didn't want to work with him oh. either. And so it caused a lot of confusion because, you know, we were the official rec sports club recognized by UT rec sports. Right. So we were the ones that were attending all of the meetings with rec sports. And I think Master Yoon was the one communicating with NCTA. So there was this breakdown in communication. And uh, it made things a lot more difficult and complicated than it needed to be. When y'all... So... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, when y'all were, I guess, hosting this or like in the beginning stages, did y'all have to like submit a bid to host? And like, because I think part of what, Amanda, what you had to do in the very Daniel. beginning, oh, you and Daniel? Dan no, just Daniel wrote and submitted the whole bit, I think. Okay. I mean, I'm sure other people like supported him, but that was his baby. I think. But also you guys didn't know whether or not you were going to get the bid for like a long time after that. Right. We had a suspicion. Well, I, think I know, <laughs> I know everyone did, but it felt like a really long time before things oh, were yeah. formalized. Did we have to wait for like a rec sports confirmation on the date or is that a different event? No, no, no. So what happened is that we, we did have to wait until um, the NCTA, like a, officially said okay this is it's going to be at ut we were i think already sort of anticipating and like working with date stuff they just couldn't release any information on when it would be until we confirmed with oh, Sports. Okay. and there was chaos with um the <laughs> facility reservations as well as <laughs> you well know we all <laughs> facility reservations are such a headache I... I have a theory. So what what kind of problems did you run into with facility reservations? So traditionally, weigh in later Friday night, um, uh, every up to blue belt fight Saturday, red and black on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. And we learned from the year before at American University that that can take a really long time on Sunday. And I'm pretty sure that it was just that the rec hours – it closed kind of earlier on um, the weekend and it would be weird to open like should we reserve all day on Friday or just part of the day and it just took a lot of negotiating and pleading with Chad to let us request an extra hours and um, I think also like finding rooms for yeah. weigh-ins because they didn't want to oh. have us take up a whole dance room and you know like there are so many um other like authorized rec sports clubs that like any facility reservation you're like displacing them for like their regularly scheduled practices that broke my heart too i felt so bad because we it funnily how you mentioned like working with the other taekwondo club at ut is that we had to displace the um itf club that whole weekend and oh um, like yeah. we had already accidentally 
taken over with and then i think no it was like the next weekend that we were going to do the host the kicks for kids tournament and so we had to kick them out again and it was just like they the were good sports tournament. about it though they, they helped had, us yeah. max and um yeah alex wasn't his name also alex max am i crazy yes yeah yes. i i'll feel horrible <laughs> if that's wrong i yeah <laughs> Jack. It is. No, Jack. you're right. You're right. Yeah, Jack Beeman. Yes. Yeah, he worked at the writing center for a little yeah, bit he too. Did. <laughs> so we, and they like fought with us yeah. at um, Texas State. Was it? Or because I don't know. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's off track. But <laughs> yes, facilities. Yeah, facilities <laughs> I met with the um, facility president lady oh my gosh she was so intimidating her name was erin we did a walkthrough and um i was like i can't do this alone like i need someone else to be here to like help me remember and plan things and i sent a message in the chat in slack and no one said anything and i was freaking out so danielle skipped her (laughs) class i skipped chemistry (laughs) (laughs) and we're sitting here nervously twiddling our thumbs while like this all important a facility person comes in because like also for additional context like that chad was still our main like sponsor and chad is a very like relaxed person and so interactions with him are usually like very chill and then the facilities whoever queen queen she just comes in <laughs> and she starts like talking to chad about something else i think and just the way that she was like talking to him i was like oh my goodness this woman she really means business oh wow so it's really weird so for us back then um we worked directly for randall we were with uh randall uh-huh. ford and uh we had i think we had like one or two people on the uh, who worked in the rec sports office? I, there's like a, a board or something, right? Of like student. Yeah, they like, have student yeah. employees. Students. Was on that this past year. The. Yeah. What, what... So our our what... president at the time was on that, and he worked very. He had a very good relationship with Randall Ford, and uh, Randall. Um, I mean, he was really cool with us. He was very transparent, very honest, and he was very willing to work with us at the time. So. We always felt like we had an ally in Randall. Like Randall would always have her back. And I also think that because a UT professor was also involved, that it probably helped smooth things along, like getting facility reservations and stuff like that. Because um, I don't remember any of that, but I was only a sophomore at the time and I wasn't like a really involved officer. So I didn't help with the planning that much. But we were. We we hosted it in um in Gregory Gym. Oh, in the arena area. Yeah, no, the basketball the courts. Well, <laughs> that's so in the pool, in the natatorium. <laughs> yeah, we we um we we had it on the the basketball court area, and um it went pretty smoothly. The, the biggest controversial issue at the time was UT has a big policy about um, vendors yes. coming onto campus and yeah. selling stuff. We had that same issue. We initially yeah. were going to have a whole hallway of vendors, and that just mm-hmm. did not happen. 
And um, the issue that we, we ran into was, you know, Randall was telling us that, you know, the, the Texas Taekwondo club, and we totally understood it. And, you know, we, we stood by it, but for some reason, you know, master Yoon, the, the UT mm-hmm. professor, like he totally ignored it. And the day of like vendors showed up and was selling stuff. Oh, oh, no. oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I got chills just and, like thinking about that. And Randall was so, so mad and I totally get it, you know, uh, but it, it, that was an example of like the breakdown of communication we had. We had too many, too many chefs in the kitchen and none of the chefs were talking to each other. Wow. But yeah, it, it turned out okay in the end. Um, I think because we were fractured that uh, UT, we didn't place anything in terms of like uh, teams and all that. Because uh, I think there was technically two different teams representing the University of Texas. Oh, wow. I think so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it, it was really neat to see both 2001 and 2019 and I mean, I, I know y'all are laughing at it and you're probably happy that things are done and taken care of and you'll never want to do it again. But honestly, 18 years later, I think it was done very, very well. And I was very proud and happy to see the way it turned out. It's easy to, on the inside, think that everything is going wrong uh, and to forget that on the outside perspective, all the officials said that it was like one of the best, most well-run tournaments and that part itself was pretty validating <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean everybody fought on time fought on- we oh finished gosh, on time that was beautiful yeah we didn't get out of american university till almost midnight do you guys remember that harsh was fighting at like 11 30 p.m or something oh. it was so late yep yep <laughs> that was my nightmare <laughs> what would I say to Chad? Oh no! One of the reasons why they moved mm-hmm. red belt fighting over to Sunday and just yeah. did white through blue on Saturday so that they could like condense that. Oh yeah, and they I were feel, also yeah. having like dado problems a lot at American. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't recall mm-hmm. any big ring shutdowns for like an hour or so. So no, we didn't at all. Technical side too was <laughs> that man who was running around fixing Dato. I love that guy. He was incredible. They put me <laughs> on Dato for a little while. I'd call him over. He'd have it fixed in like ten seconds. Wow. <laughs> so you know, from from one old salty two thousand one veteran, um, from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you very much for you know doing it right, bringing it back to UT Austin. Um, it really meant a lot for me. And I know it meant a lot for a lot of, for all of the alumni. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember when I was about to become president and <laughs> it was looming over us that, oh, this is a big potential. Um, I remember sitting in Danielle's doorway and just sort of, banging my head on the ground thinking this is gonna be so hard but oh my god it's gonna be the coolest thing ever we're gonna bring 50 people we're gonna crush people who won't wouldn't normally have been able to go are gonna go 
this is going to be great. It's going to be horrible, but it's going to be great. Like, and then, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. We talked about so also like how many parents could come and just like support from that front as well. So can I, um, can I share a little bit of behind the scenes? Cause I was involved with some of the behind the scenes stuff. Yes. Yes. So Joe, Daniel and Martin, um, and myself, we, when we were at collegiates in DC, they had, you know, like a coaches mm-hmm. meeting before the tournament kicked off and they had their official meeting. So they went through minutes. They talked about, you know, all the instructions and protocol for this year's for the current year's um, tournament. And then next, the, the next topic on the agenda was who like taking nominations for hosting collegiates the next year. And so, you know, the NTTA, they like to go from East coast, I mean, West coast to East coast to central. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, (laughs) all the Texas coaches, we sat in the back of the room (laughs) Cause we, <laughs> we, we sit in the back and we act like we don't care. That's usually our attitude. Like we're all leaning back in our chairs. Like, uh, okay, next. <laughs> but anyway, um, when, when the topic came up of who would be hosting collegiates, um, for 2019, two schools like immediately nominated themselves You can nominate, and it was, <laughs> yeah. You're, so you're supposed to nominate at, you're supposed to nominate at the previous year's collegiates when they have a meeting. And so it was Iowa and oh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't even like the University of Iowa oh, or right. University of Michigan. It was like some it was like some very small schools that were close to those big universities. And when they like they were very eager to nominate themselves, those two. And like when they nominate themselves, like no one like no one was too excited they weren't like yay it's gonna be really cold in april yay like no one jumped up (laughs) and i remember the president of the ncta i i don't know how they operate um he was very (laughs) yeah so they're very formal about it right and so he was like okay thank you for your nominations i will i will stay in touch with each of you i will fly out to wherever you are and meet you and tour the facilities before I make my decision. And, and we're like, Oh, wow. And I remember nudging Joe. I think we were all nudging Joe like, Hey, we should host it. And we're like, nah, I, I I have no interest in hosting collegiates in Austin ever. And that was our mentality. And I don't know what changed, but then I think come summertime. It was the W. uh, It was the W. (laughs) <laughs> it was the w yes you're right oh yeah. wow yeah we it was the w coming home uh-huh. with the trophies and all that wow. <laughs> we were actually i think yeah. and it must have been around that time because we actually were on the plane coming back and i was sitting with keem and somewhere near hector and they were going on and on about like Oh, we might have this very exciting opportunity coming up next year. Like, we're so excited, but I can't tell you what it is. I can't talk about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, so I think they knew. I think it was on their minds all the way from the time we were at American. Huh, interesting. Um, yeah, because I remember come summertime, uh, Joe started talking to me and he kind of hinted at, um, 
you know, talking more and more to the NTTA, working more with them and how there was a potential for us to host collegiates. And I was like, what? This is a complete 180 of what we <laughs> talked about when we were in Washington, D.C. We said we'd never host yeah. collegiates. <laughs> and yet here we are. <laughs> I'd like to switch gears and talk about uh, the influence of modern technology and how Texas Taekwondo is these days. And for me, it's quite an eye-opener because the way y'all operate with all these new things, it makes me feel so old, <laughs> like really old. <laughs> um, for example, I mean, just all the tools you use for communication, like Trello, Slack. I mean, what is all this? <laughs> Trello the blessing. Um, <laughs> Trello's Trello feels OG. They were using Trello before I was, I mean, since the time at least that Daniel was president. Because when I was president, we were already using Trello and it was like it was kind of miraculous. Um, we had basically we had a Facebook Messenger group with all the officers in it. We had Trello and then we had the the mass uh like messy dumping ground that is our google drive <laughs> um uh. and so because we didn't have really very much that was like sp specific or branched trello was really the tool that we could use the most effectively to like track tasks and enable communication among people who were on particular projects because it gives you the ability to like set deadlines and create different cards and boards and all sorts of things for different particular projects, which was like amazing to me at the time. Um, yeah. But I also, I know that right, right after uh, mine and Hector's presidencies, just when I think Amanda was becoming president was when they switched to Slack, mm -hmm. which is like, the coolest thing when I was VP for a hot minute, that was like Slack was incredible. <laughs> uh, Slack is so like I was not an officer when y'all just had that Facebook group message. Ooh. I cannot mm -hmm. even imagine. You can't. I can't. To communicate. <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. Anytime anyone wanted to talk about anything related to officership, they dropped it in that chat. And so you were just looking at it all day long. Oh my God. Every single day, somebody was talking about something, you know, you go in there and Hector would be talking about finance and I'd be like, I don't see finance. I don't look at it. I won't touch it. I managed to be an officer in like three different roles and never deal with finance because I hated it. <laughs> but like, Jeez. you just had to sit there and, and, you know, kicks for kids stuff was flying everywhere and just all these things that weren't even related to you. But yet all those notifications come up on your phone all day, every day, you're in class, you're scrolling through it. And <laughs> yeah, it was it was very, very wild. And that also we didn't have a separate space where the officers would talk about like funny things. And so there was like memes would get mixed in there and there was like work and play were all kind of oh, muddled. Dear. It was it was too much. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I'm sitting here listening to you talk about all these things. And like I'm reminded when I was an officer, I mean, we didn't have Facebook <laughs> first off. Um we use something called AOL Instant oh! Messenger. <laughs> yeah, that was new for us. And, and there was no way to like 
share files. We had to use like a, oh a file God. transfer protocol, FTP. <gasps> and so, um, you know, but it worked, but we weren't as large of an organization. So, I mean, you know, the officers, we only had like, I mean, we're pretty close knit, probably the same amount, but we would just, you know, send out an aim message and then we'd have like officer meetings once a week or so. And it was pretty low key. It was not as, I don't think I ever felt connected 24 seven though. That definitely <laughs> wasn't the case. I mean, Facebook didn't come out until my oh, senior year. God. Amanda, Danielle, can you imagine running te- Texas Taekwondo without the ability to make a Google form? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's just oh my. That would be so much chaos. What would you use? Paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did use paper. We used paper. What are you talking about? Um, we had a website. That was a big deal. Wow. <laughs> and the other. Uh, but everything was done through that's, email. That's so funny. Okay, so I was going to say that, that one of the other things that's kind of grown is all the different ways now that we communicate with our members. Because when I came into the club, the primary mm-hmm. method of communication and like announcements and stuff from officers to, yeah, to members was the Facebook group. And I was not on Facebook. And so I came into the club and the second that Katie Gilroy pulled me into being an officer against my will. <laughs> Um, I was like, okay, my entire campaign is that we're going to, we're going to supplement Facebook and no member has to be on Facebook and they can still be informed. And so it was this new and novel thing that I was like, we're going to make a newsletter and we're going to use email and we're going to send it out every week and it's going to have updates. And I thought it was like the coolest and genius thing that we've like, but now that I think about it, I mean, we just kind of, yeah, you guys used email. We got a little out of, we, we like wrapped around to more advanced technology and then swung right back around to email and it was like new and exciting and I was really really excited about it and the newsletter will always be my little baby (laughs) I hate to say it but I was into email before it was cool (laughs) and now we have a group me yeah yeah it's so much uh, I think I guess just as our club has grown and we've like split classes into beginners and advanced like just we've had to also I guess try to supplement the ways that we communicate to people because not everyone can make it every week and so in class announcements when it's effective and I would come and I think last semester I just started writing everything on the board before every class because (laughs) there were just so many announcements that it would take like 10 minutes to say them all and then you know we started to root me and so I think we've become something of like a bureaucracy and now we so now there's so many tracks Mm -hmm. that information is starting to get lost because Mm -hmm. if you're if you weren't in class that one day how do you even know there's a group me to join and if you don't have facebook then but people are saying uh social driver updates in the group me where are you there? And then the poor newsletter, RIP, like that only comes out on a need basis with like major announcements. Um, so it's, it's weird to think that it, we've tried to solve this problem and created new problems as well. 
Mm-hmm. But we have we have much higher <laughs> our expectations are so much higher. So I think we also have good. so many different events and like oh, yeah. tournaments that we're going to and trainings and seminars and then all of the socials and well and just having different classes is honestly that when that happened yeah. that was like revolutionary. It was just when I was becoming president that we started doing fitness camp. Before that, all we had ever had, all we ever had, (laughs) before fitness camp, all we had was we had Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday classes, and everybody came together, and then the only thing that was separate was team practice, and everybody else was together in the same room all the time, and then when we added fitness camp, there were some people who were really excited about it, and there were some people who were just very resistant to change, you know, who were like, what do you mean you're changing the schedule? What do you mean I might have to, you know, what do you mean I might miss something because I have a class on Wednesdays? What are you talking about? Um, what do you mean we have to go outside? <laughs> they don't, they don't, you're going to sound like the old folks now. Like people who might complain about that fitness camp are like, I remember my day when, you had three opportunities, and if you missed one, you missed it. And right, now, and now, now like, you can there's class every day of the week, sometimes more than one. It's exactly. crazy. Class so, every day of the week. Yeah. There's like all different forms. Whom say office yeah. hours? You could post in the Facebook group or the group me, yeah, and, and say, say hey, I'm gonna kick, and someone would show up. It's it's crazy. I mean, just I to geez. people who just like sometimes do their homework in the mat room. Yeah, and then yeah. when someone Cutter. else happens to be in there, like. <laughs> Ashley or Cutter or Yash, and then they just kind of like kick around and take breaks between homework. It's crazy. But to see us go from those three practices a week where we started to then adding fitness camp to then the separation of beginners and advanced to the addition of Pumse to the addition of office hours, like that's all happened within the contained space between 2016 and 2020 when yeah. we've been here. And it's it's just been amazing that like, not only has our velocity increased, but even our acceleration is increasing. Like we're just getting, we're getting faster <laughs> at a faster rate. That I don't think that's physically it is, possible. It is. The derivative of acceleration is called jerk. Um, it's a thing. <laughs> and I just shared this um, <laughs> I, I am going to. I'll have to refer back to Yash about that, but, uh, (laughs) um, but so I I do want to point out, like, I remember back in my day, we only had Tuesday, Thursday classes, right? It was Tuesday, Thursday for so long and we fought so hard just to get Tuesday, Thursday classes. And then when we started competing more, we added a Sunday class and we just called it strength and conditioning class. And I guess it would be equivalent to like your fitness camp. And so we would meet yeah. at um, Clark Field. And that's where we would run and do our, um, you know, strength and conditioning stuff. And for the longest time, it was just Tuesday, Thursday, and then strength and conditioning. And then, um, yeah, you're right. And then just in the past couple of years, it just, it, the, the velocity and the acceleration yes. both also, increased at the same now, time. Yeah. Um, and- <laughs> You know, I haven't faced this since I've stopped being president, obviously. But when I left, it was still a fight to say, can we get more hours? Can we get more official practice times? Can we be in the mat room more? Because Belmont is is a challenge. And, like, it's we're always – we're very 
adaptable as a club and we're finding very interesting ways to continue to work as hard as we can um but yeah. we officially uh we do can... not have as much as we would be yeah. but i enjoy the fall when i was first president in the fall like from the facility hours that you had submitted amanda we magically somehow like slid under the radar and got 10 hours and the max that any sports club is allowed to have is eight um but somehow like no one noticed until the start of the spring semester when we suddenly like did not have a thursday reservation like at all anymore and then so it's just like this constant like back and forth between me and like um bridget our sports club advisor of trying to like renegotiate our hours and trying to get a thursday reservation so then we switched to doing like an hour and a half on weekdays and two hours on Saturdays just to like Oof. official hour official, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So of course there ended up, we ended up wiggling our way to still having two hours unofficially. <laughs> um, and then even more with Kumse and all of that. Um, but yeah, it's just this constant struggle of yeah fighting for space. What the hell's a dustpan? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Dusty stick. It is. It's a, it's a... So what happened when we switched to Slack, I'm a curmudgeon and I say, I hate this. But the redeeming factor is that you can react with anything that you want, including a dusty stick. <laughs> yeah, it's like an emoji that's exclusive to Slack. Yes. And... It's universally applicable applicable to like every situation. All of them. It would be like, um, oh, I just submitted that thing. Oh, Dusty Stick React. Oh, okay, everyone saw that. Okay. Or, you know, you're the one officer hasn't paid attention all day and then asks a question that was just answered three messages ago. Yep. Dusty stick react. <laughs> you know? Okay. Like it ah, just, okay. Oh, it applies to all situations. I'm, I'm, I think I'm starting to get it. Um, but I have to admit, I struggle with this generational communication thing. So it made me feel very, very old. Because first off, I had to learn what memes were when I came back to Texas Taekwondo, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to learn what emojis were, and to have this dusty stick emoji. I, I had. I reached the point where I thought that my emoji game was like okay, and then this dusty stick came in. It's like I have no idea now. Now I'm lost. <laughs> I'm clearly old. I give up. <laughs> I think if it's in constellation, I think that sometimes Coach Joe can also be confused by our usage of the dusty stick. <laughs> uh. I have to give credit. Where credit is due, Nihar was the first to use the dusty stick. Yeah. Okay. We all he was Nihar, Nihar also transitioned us yep. to Slack. That was all he him. did. Yeah. Thank brain. you, Nihar, because <laughs> I could not have coped with Facebook Messenger, and <laughs> especially being when Trello was in the same. Dying. Yeah. Why did I don't understand why Trello died? I don't because know. People don't love it as much as we love it. I don't. Even oh my gosh. Amanda and I. We made okay. This is very dorky. All right. So when Molly and I, it was like we're reunited. I'm president. She's vice president. We were so hyped, 
in the middle of the summer, we made a secret Trello board that just said, <laughs> Molly and Amanda are good leaders. And it was like all our aspirations for the club for the mm-hmm. year. And it, and it is now in the, in the, in the archives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trello was like my greatest tool. And when I finally, towards the end of my presidency, like got all of my officers to start using it consistently, it was the smoothest that I had ever seen. And then Amanda tried to keep it up but people just didn't want to do it <laughs> and my heart breaks. Ooh. So I'm going to share something with you from the adult world, from the professional world. Um, so when I first started working at my job, uh, I was the youngest person there. And I, the, the average demographic that I work with, they're all, well, they're all older than me. Right. And I'd been like that for the longest time. I was always the youngest person. Most people were retired military or, you know, been in the industry for a long time. And so I, I prided myself on being young and being up to date with technology. And it had been like that for so long. So I felt so young when I'm at work. And then when I come to Texas Taekwondo, it's very clear that technology has evolved way faster than, <laughs> than I could keep <laughs> up with. And I feel so old when I come back to Texas Taekwondo. Like when Slack was introduced, I was like, oh, okay, I can handle this Slack thing. And boom, Dusty Stick. No, I can't. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then um, on the alumni side with the Alumni Association, I have been trying to take what I've learned, what y'all are doing within the club and implementing it with the Alumni Association. And it's not exactly the same way. <laughs> um you know, at first we started off just communicating via email because that's how we're all, that's like the baseline. I tried introducing Slack. And when I first mentioned Slack, the first thing I got from other alumni was like, what's Slack? (laughs) So it's not used very prevalent in, in like the older or more professional generations ahead. Um, But it's definitely something that is very useful that I've learned a lot. And, um, yeah, I'd be very curious to see what y'all take with you when you get to the alumni side. <laughs> I will admit that um, as a future teacher, I one of my grandest fears is being unable to uh, connect, like adapt to all the technology <laughs> and being the one trying to like click the whiteboard or having to be like, hey, you student, can you fix this for me? That terrifies me. <laughs> I mean, the other day on the on the banquet or the, the social thing, um, I, I referred to a, a Nintendo as a Nintendo yes! and and Rand <laughs> called me out on that. Oh. It's like everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> my um all of my like medical school classmates for the fall, we were all in a group me uh, for an easy way to communicate. And they actually recently decided that they were going to switch us all over to Slack. So uh, it's come back into my life after oh, I finished being an officer and I uh, uninstalled Slack very ceremoniously. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. I will never get another officer notification ever again. I can deinstall Slack. And um, I just put it back on my phone a few days ago. We're reunited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it seems like people are using it. Everyone here has been a president at one time or another with Texas Taekwondo. Yeah. Yes. Um, the three of you, clearly more recently, um, I was a president 
my junior year. So that had to have been 2003. I and five. You were what? I was, you were, I was five. <laughs> please don't tell me that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I remember when I first joined Texas Taekwondo, um, I knew right away that I wanted to be the president. Like, it was like my freshman year. I remember meeting the president at the time and he took me under his wing and it was groomed for me since my freshman year. Oh, wow. When I, yeah. That's and then uh, when I became president, I was like, this is so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I don't think any of us had that experience. I think we were all a little, a little surprised Mm-hmm. In different ways, I think, I mean, when I was becoming president, it was because Daniel was graduating and Daniel was president when I came in. And it seemed to me that, you know, Daniel had just been president forever, that Daniel was the president. Daniel <laughs> is the king. <laughs> we just leave him in power until he can't anymore. <laughs> um, and there was this whole big question about who was going to become president because it didn't seem like anybody was particularly interested or willing or had the time. And I, I, I was a sophomore. Well, I was a freshman at the time that they were making this decision. Like, I, I don't think anyone really expected it, but Hector and Keem, neither of them seemed particularly interested. Keem was busy with medical school and Hector seemed like he had really found his niche in finance. And so it just kind of happened. And then whenever I stepped away and then Hector was doing it and then Hector graduated, I think a little bit of the same thing, Amanda, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of, uh, the, what is the game? No nose goes or something. Yeah. (laughs) We all looked at each other in the, in the room and, uh, you know, it, it was, it was like, um, a mixed feelings kind of a thing. And I'm, as I'm sure we could all probably relate to is that in a way you think, wow, I'm honored that you think that I'm capable of this and that I'm, you know, that I can rise to the occasion and and really lead this club. And then in another way, it's terrifying. I don't know what I'm doing. Scared out of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think that coach Joe likes to say that it's not sometimes that like you're taking a step up but it's yes. everyone else around you is taking a step back. You're the only one left. And I just, I remember when you, Amanda, were president and just being privy to all of, I guess, the struggles that are associated with it. Yeah. I was like, no, there's no way. Like, I'm not going to be president. <laughs> I have no interest in this. It's too much. It's going to be my senior year. Like, I have a thesis to write. (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) I think we all felt like that a little bit. Just like, no, not really. No, I'm not actually going to do that. (laughs) And then we all just... (laughs) Molly, classic Molly, uh, tells me, Amanda, I'm like, wow, should I... No, don't do it. I was like, okay, I won't do it. And then probably (laughs) the next day, Molly, I'm doing it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no! (laughs) Because, you know, it's a it's the worst thing in the world. It's just it's scary. It's scary mm-hmm. and it's unknown and it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. 
I want to talk about how hmm, how it is how someone is selected for being president. You know, it and there's definitely a clear change from what it is now from what it was back in my time. And and it's it's probably not something that is too pleasant or too proud of, but it is definitely a reflection of the time. So when I was in school, um, it was typically like the president role would typically be um, one, a male, two, a black belt. It was very important for them to be a black belt. And then three, Asian. <laughs> that was the typical. Yeah. <laughs> not I, None of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And, and it's funny because they were, it was never spoken. Like, that's not what we, mm-hmm. we never wrote it out. Like, that's what we want. But it just naturally always, always was like that. And I mean, some of it I can understand, like the idea of you know, having a black belt, um, you know, because at the time, most of the people in Texas Taekwondo were black belts. Yeah. We were all competitors. We, we weren't in the business of bringing new people in and training them from the bottom. Majority of us were black belts or had experience in Taekwondo and we wanted to compete right away. So it was very natural for, you know, the top dog who was like the best competitor to be the leader of the club, the club. Hmm. And then at the time, you know, we were still a pretty small organization. It was predominantly an Asian culture themed club. Uh, We were involved with a lot of like Asian American student organizations Hmm. and most of our members were Asian American. And so it, it just naturally uh, gravitated towards having a black belt who was probably Asian American. And then, you know, our club was pretty much male dominated at the time. Most of us were, most of the members were males. And so it just fit the bill. Um, you know, the president before me, he was a black belt. He was Korean and before him, same thing. So, you know, when I graduated and, uh, we picked another president. It was same thing. It was a black belt. He was male and he was Korean. And I don't, you know, I, I disappeared from Texas Taekwondo for a while. And when I came back, it was a completely different <laughs> vibe. And it was, it was really eye-opening for me to see, you know, um, because my character, I'm the type that's very rooted in tradition. I'm very hard to break away from that. But clearly this is an example of, change for the best and you know i i think everything we talked about in the past couple minutes clearly points that out you know hosting collegiates again most successful collegiates and just all this growth and change um it's because of texas taekwondo evolved that i think that's so funny and i mean we weren't around when these people were around, but from what I understand of like semi-recent Texas Taekwondo history, it seems like um, there were a few like really awesome girls in the club who kind of shifted that a little bit. From my understanding, Sadie and Sherry just sort of completely like turned around the like male focused narrative and lens that Texas Taekwondo had and really kind of paved the way for people like the three of us. It's interesting that it fell on a more, well, like a more experienced 
fighter, a black belt, because now it seems almost like there's a different paths that you can take if you mm-hmm. want to be more um, comp- competition focused. You probably aren't suited for an officership because it takes away um, some focus. It takes away time where you could be training. Um, and and it's nice to know that uh, people without experience can can also dedicate themselves <laughs> to the club in, in a way that they they find fulfilling too. And I think that's kind of been a recent lesson. I mean, I know during the time that the three of us had been presidents, we've seen a couple officers try really hard to be like very dedicated black belts and manage officership. And a lot of them have had a hard time with that just because both of those things demand so much of you. And so I think there's really like a big shift now towards away from having really, really competitive black belts being um, in leadership positions in that way. They become leaders in other ways. Exactly. Obviously, uh, like, but, um, yeah, the more visible is the office hours and the leading classes, mm-hmm. but less visible is the just role model and mm-hmm. um how they help set like attitude expectations yeah, bringing back all that knowledge from all of the trainings and tournaments and world travel that they do yeah and i i think it's really i think that's a very important transition that y'all have made because i can totally back that up you know when i was president i was trying to balance competing and running an organization and oh, I'm still a college Mm -hmm. student, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to balance all of that at the same time. And I'm only maybe just turned 21. And it was a lot, a lot to put on my shoulders. And, you know, truth be told, I'm pretty sure, you know, I buckled under the pressure a few times. I think we all very relatable. Yeah. (laughs) I was very grateful that um, my predecessor, um, he was still in Austin. And, you know, I would, I would turn to him quite often like, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I could really use the help. Um, I just, I just can't do oh it. You know? uh, so I was very thankful to have yeah, him if there. Daniel hadn't, if we hadn't been able to rope Daniel into sticking around, I don't know, at least me, but I have the feeling maybe several of us, I have no idea how we, how I would have been able to do half the things that I did in presidency without him there as support, as guidance, as picking up pieces when I couldn't juggle them all. And just truly, su- he's, he's been, he was such a positive emotional support to me when I was in presidency. Just having somebody you could talk to who had been in it and who knew exactly what it was like and was there to say, yep, it is. It really is that much. And, you know, just wholeheartedly understand and support you unconditionally in that. I can never, can never thank him enough or repay him sufficiently for that. Amanda, did you, were you calling Molly quite often when it was your term as president? I have a bad memory, so it's <laughs> hard. Well, we were working together for a little while. We, I had Hector, oh, yeah. I had Molly, I had Daniel. They were, their, their wisdom was there at my disposal. Their support and like, <laughs> um, you know, sort of that like affirmation again, like Molly was talking about, like, yes. You know, like, you can do this and, like, this is how, showing me the ways. I don't think I um, 
I don't know if relied is the word, but I didn't utilize their support as much as Molly did, perhaps. It was just really nice to know that they were there. Yeah. Also, I think worth noting, I think it was during my presidency was the first time we started doing weekly coaches meetings. And so just sitting down and talking to you, Mike, and Daniel, and Martin, and eventually Hector, right, like every week, and just having that check-in with all of those all of those individuals who carried so much Texas Taekwondo knowledge and experience that that was, it was helpful. It was definitely another hour out of every week. That was, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. a struggle to maintain, but I think it was helpful in that aspect. Those were some really long Monday Mm -hmm. nights. Um. <laughs> At the fitness camp too, we'd be running home trying yeah. to get to the coaches' meeting, all sweaty, not taking a shower until like twelve thirty. <laughs> we all start eating yeah. dinner at like eleven p.m. Oh yeah, <laughs> or later. Yeah, I think being president kind of like dramatically shifted my schedule. <laughs> Your circadian rhythm. Yeah. Well, because I've. I've usually been this morning person and I guess that's just maybe partially the cross country runner in me that, you know, we would run 6am usually before classes would start in high school. Um, So shifting from that to all of the, you know, the late night um, coach calls and stand up would go after practice on Thursdays, and then also just having officers like Nihar and Arnov that are up and talking on Slack at 3 a.m. You send a message at like 10 p.m. And, and then you get a respond at 3 a.m. And sometimes you happen to be awake, which is a bad sign. Oh, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. why am I awake? Why are you awake? This was so funny. I felt like those were my most productive hours, though, for presidency, because during the day, I was like, you know, even though I felt like I was on 24 seven, I tried my best to carve out like school time during the day. And then practice time was practice time. And then once I would get home and finish all of the meetings and all of the chats, like, I was such a night owl that I was like, oh, thank God, finally, everything in the world is quiet and I can do the 57 officer (laughs) tasks that I had to get done yesterday. So I don't know how y'all do it. Um, So before before the whole COVID-19 pandemic, um, for me, it would be I'd work all day, then I come home and then (laughs) I've got three little kids to wrangle (laughs) around. And then come the coach's call. I'm like, I'm already emotionally spent. Yeah. I uh, I just can't do this anymore. Oh, here we are. We're online uh-huh. now. Here we go. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but again, I know we're all putting in our hours of so many different things. Um, but I think maybe I'm just getting too old and I'm, I'm, I'm missing a step or two. I think what we've talked about so far, like the, um, the technology, the ramping up of um, communication, coaches' calls, just the the more um, activities that we try and do as a club. We're all we're working towards this conversation of about um, just kind of having to learn to set boundaries as a president and having to deal like just the the sheer amount of uh, connectedness. Molly, you said being available 24 yeah. 7 it really does feel like that and mm-hmm. 
just sort of getting delving into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, I and seeing if um Mike has the same story. <laughs> uh what do you mean being connected twenty four seven? Did you feel like if you went off well, I guess offline might not be the right term, but did like if you took if a week you off. took yeah, if you took a weekend for yourself, uh, did you feel like everything was gonna come crashing down when you got back? Because that's what I felt like. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and that's one thing that I had to learn. Uh, so definitely, I remember... <laughs> I'm a bit embarrassed about this. Uh, so it was probably my my senior year, my, my first senior year. So I was a five-year student, I okay? Victory <laughs> yeah, victory lap. So my fourth year... Um, I started dating a girl. Um, and the reason why I'm embarrassed because that girl is not my wife. So. <laughs> um, so I started dating this girl and I was very involved with Taekwondo because I was the president. I was the slash. Oh, I was president slash team mm-hmm. captain at the same time. And um, I started training under this new coach uh, named Tony Smith, who's very, very demanding but, you know, high performance, high demanding. So I'm trying to balance all of this at the same time, trying to build this relationship with this, with this friend of mine. And, um, you know, I felt really guilty. Uh, so she lived in Dallas at the time. So, you know, some weekends, if we had time, I would either drive up there or she'd come down to Austin. And, you know, those times we had together, I always wanted to just dedicate and focus time on her. And, when I did that, I felt very guilty about, you know, maybe not having a Sunday strength and conditioning class, or sometimes we'd have events. And um, I think when I felt like I buckled a lot was when I tried to do it all. Um, but throughout the year, later on in the year, I learned to trust some of the other instructors we had and some of the other officers. And, you know, even though I would trust them, there was a part of me that felt like I was being judged by asking them, but that was never the case. Um, and I didn't learn that until much later. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a, a very hard lesson for me to learn. And, you know, at times maybe I'm still like that. Like I have a hard time trusting other people to do, to carry this other shield in this oh, big yeah. team that we have, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, one, that that was too, an huh? equally challenging lesson, I think. Like, there was one, the, number one, the lesson of learning, like, it's okay for you to step away. Everything's not going to crumble. But just as equally mm-hmm. was important learning, like, you can step away and not only are things going to get done, but you don't have to worry about whether or not things get done exactly the way that you would have done them and exactly the way that you would have liked them to, and to sort of not only be able to, to step away because you need it, but to be able to let go of the control and kind of give that up and hand it off to your teammates and trust that they had it. That was something that was equally challenging for me. What are some parting words you would have for future presidents of Taekwondo or officers or anyone who wants to step up into a leadership role for Texas Taekwondo? Um, I guess I would say that, and this is something that I think I really struggled with as president, just knowing that 
in Texas Taekwondo, there's always going to be something next. There's always going to be a next. And sometimes it didn't really feel like there was a light at the end of the tunnel. It was just always like, oh, we're we're jumping from one thing to another. We finished do- traveling to MIT and then we have horn raiser and college day and planning everything else. So I guess kind of like what Molly was saying, acknowledging that um, there will always be stuff for you to work on, but you don't have to be the one that single-handedly finishes all of it. It's okay to pass it on to the next people. One of the biggest lessons I learned in presidency specifically for that role, aside from just officership at large, was really learning how to kind of like I just said, to 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 release the pressure off of myself by having more trust in my team to do things and by being able to remember that not every single thing that got thrown my way actually necessarily had to be done by me and learning how to delegate and learning how to serve as kind of a manager and an oversight person rather than um, the one who stands behind all of the officers and tries to pick up all the pieces that they don't catch, trying to be the one who's standing in front of them handing things to them and making sure that everybody's got something that they're working on and that everything gets taken care of in that way was really, really like a game changer in how presidency went for me. And then also, I mean, I think we've talked a lot about the the challenges and, and the struggles and the pressure and the overwhelm that does come with the job, which I think it always probably will. But I mean, I loved my job. I loved that job. And I think taking the time in the midst of all of that to remember how kind of beautiful it is to hold that job and just kind of treasuring and cherishing the opportunity to do it and to serve your teammates and your, your classmates and your, your community and your family who you love so much and who has given so much to you to be able to give back to them in that way was really special. Um, And then the only other thing is that I think once I realized that kind of like Danielle said, there's always the next thing and we're always striving for something really, really big. Remembering that the way Texas Taekwondo sets its ambitions really high, there's failure built into that. Like we Mm -hmm. set our goals so, so high that we're destined. The only way you can reach goals that are that high is by a long series of failures that you learn from that and, you know, complications that get in the way before you can get it right. And once I realized that not every failure, not every setback, not every complication was, you know, a failure on my own part or was even necessarily a bad thing, but that those were fundamentally stepping stones in getting us to all of these now looking back, amazing, beautiful, outstanding things I could have never imagined. Like when I was president, we were doing Texas kick conference for the first time. And I thought that was like the biggest thing that was ever going to happen for our club. And oh my gosh, this is amazing. And now I'm looking back and we have like national championships and we hosted collegiates. And if it weren't for all of the different failures and complications and hitches we went through, we would have never gotten to any of those things. So 
learning to to be okay with those failures and then to also cherish them is going to put anyone in a leadership position with this club um, in a lot better headspace and I think in a lot better heart space too. Now I have to top that. (laughs) (laughs) I would say uh, twofold, two things. One, for anyone who wants to step up, be honest with yourself about what brings you joy, okay? And this is very much like that woman who tells you to throw things out that don't serve you, but absolutely... What's her name? Marie Kondo. Marie, Con- the Marie Kondo of Taekwondo leadership. <laughs> it's okay to say no if something is fundamentally not who you are. I have found out I cannot sell people things. I'm a. I cannot uh, market. I cannot sort of. It feels slimy to convince someone to like give you more money or give you more whatever it is even if it's support or fundraising um that is just not who i am and i found a home in kicks for kids and and that is really what what brought me joy through it all um so even if you know you're thinking about being an officer thinking about being president Make sure, do some soul searching, make sure that that's something that's serving you and not just, you know, your resume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the other thing is wow. for someone who, and I know, okay, going back a little bit, I know that part of the job is stepping up and supporting others and doing things that you didn't expect to do, but being, so I guess, setting a boundary about like what's best for you. And then... If you are president, and I think this is something we all attest to, you are going to find out who you are under pressure, and you have to forgive yourself. Yes. You have. So I feel, my presidency often felt like I was struggling so hard to just keep everything together. You know, I had a really hard problem with officer officer retention. And again, like Molly said, the big steps that we were taking in competition and scrimmages and fundraising, and it felt like I was just sort of not getting to do anything except keep the club, <laughs> keep the club going. Um, and there were times when I snapped. And I do not like who I was in this one moment in this tournament. Um, there are times when I was being honest and it probably hurt people or hurt myself. And reflecting now, I have to just forgive myself and hold on to the lessons that I learned, the person that I want to be under pressure and just keep working towards that and be be kind be kind to myself be kind to everyone else who's struggling and who's under pressure and just carry on (laughs) self-compassion you know for someone that's been with Texas Taekwondo for a long time um 
I I can definitely say like we are all very very proud and very lucky to have had y'all come through our mats and no. y'all are graduating I don't know if you're all going to leave very far you know but we're very fortunate to have you um, I'm going to miss y'all very dearly I'll be very honest um, like Molly I'm going to miss whenever I speak in front of a class and I get lost and I get nervous and I'm looking around at all the faces and then I see you and you're just staring at me smiling and I, I know I love okay, it when you talk I'm gonna to be this okay. Mike everything you okay. say has so much value <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truth be told, I feel like I'm rambling all the time. So, um, but I'm gonna miss that, and it's gonna hit me really, really hard next semester when I'm in class and I'm talking to everybody, and I'm looking around for you, and you're not gonna be in that that group of students. It's it, it's gonna hit me really hard then. Um, Amanda, I'm gonna miss every time I tell a dad joke. <laughs> And I get a delayed laugh. <laughs> because I think whenever I hear your delayed laugh, it gives me reassurance that the dad joke actually works. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I'm going to miss that. Uh, you're probably my best audience. <laughs> and Danielle, I'm going to miss seeing the growth that you're going to put into more Taekwondo because the trajectory that I was seeing in you from when you were a yellow belt when you first started to where you were just a few weeks ago was such an accelerated path and trajectory that I I fear missing out on seeing what you're going to be doing in the next year or so in terms of Taekwondo and in life and you know, I'm I'm gonna miss that a lot. Uh, I mean, I'll miss the awkward hellos and, but, but um, your your growth in the amazing sport and art of Taekwondo that brought us all here. I'm gonna miss that a lot. And uh, yeah, just to wrap it up, I'm gonna miss all of you very very much. I don't want to get too <laughs> sap your emotional right I now. Um, we but, have uh, a group chat. And the acronym is from when we were all officers at the same time. And it's it's CASO. And it stands for um, Queer Emotionally Supportive Officers. And I think that that's something that I guess we really all just that was our that was our goal that we strive yeah. for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to put positive emotional energy into the club and into into everybody who who we got to serve, and so um, I think in our reflection, it, it, I think you know, feeling some satisfaction knowing that we were able to do a little a bit of that feels really good. Yeah. Well, again, thanks a lot. Uh, thank you for being on this thank podcast. You for thank us. you for opening up. <laughs> and um, again, congratulations on on graduating. 
And I'm really excited. We are all excited to see what the next stage in life brings for you all. Um, with that, thank Bye. you and good night, y'all. This has been another episode of Texas Taekwondo in the Coach's Corner. If you would like to contribute to the Texas Taekwondo Alumni Association Endowment Fund, please contact Texas Taekwondo Alumni at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, hook them. What the hell's a dustpan? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Dusty stick. Dusty stick react.